I'm Neil Wilkins, and welcome to The Mindful Living Show. We all want love. We all in this world are desperate for love and searching for love. And we always believe it has to come from outside of us. We keep looking and searching. And yes, we are also so afraid of it. How much time do we spend hiding, protecting, or trying to improve ourselves to be somebody we are actually not? To be better, to look better, to be different, to please. We are non-stop needy for love and attention, non-stop depending on someone else's love and approval. And actually, your love We are all born as love. And we live in a society nobody teaches us, nobody shows us how to love, how to love ourselves, the basis of all love. And I truly believe that we can learn it. We can learn to love. So I'm joined today by my great friend Sabina and Sabina has made it her life goal to empower people with love at the heart of everything. Um, Sabina, by her own admission, um, helps people to find their own inner power, strength and inner wisdom. She will ask questions such as, do you long for a real connection with others but there seems to be a failure or gap in the communication? Do you feel like you're not being respected, appreciated, or not truly loved for who you really are? Does it feel that you can't step into your own power? So Sabina's passionately devoted to this subject of love, and she helps people to deeply value themselves and to find out how to communicate more lovingly while still speaking their truth. And this helps to set some very healthy boundaries and be more in flow and at ease with themselves as well as with others. So probably unsurprisingly, today's conversation is going to be titled Learning to Love. So Sabina, welcome. Thank you, Neil. Thank you for your warm, welcoming words. Thank you so much. I feel very honoured. Let's begin by learning a little bit more about you and your journey. Tell us a little bit about kind of what brought you um, to the point where you are today. Actually, not a psychologist or anybody who studied around this. Life just took me there. I feel like, um, as you know, I'm coming from the business world, but I feel like in my private life, actually, it has shown me everything what love is not. And in the business world, of course, these things came up with how we communicate, especially I was in the international world, and how we communicate to be understood and to be more successful. And with that passion, I understood more and more about actually to learn the nonviolent communication. But this is not the only way then to say, okay, how do I get to be actually truthful to myself and to speak lovingly my honest, authentic truth while I'm connecting with the most intimate? Because we always get triggered there, mostly. <laughs> So yeah, life took me there by myself. I had several disruptions in my partnerships. And then one day I said, okay, what is it? What I'm doing wrong here? And I started really investigating. And then my personal journey led me to a wake up moments. 
where I finally said, okay, this is what to be, or what I do wrong. And if it works with me, then let's see how it works with others. And I started to train them as a coach and I could see it was just like magic. I've suddenly felt really compelled to give this and provide others with that knowledge. So you talk about wake up moments. I, I really like those two words because that's quite an intriguing kind of idea, really, that um, people, if they are awake to those wake up moments, they, they're almost like little opportunities presented to you to make change, to empower yourself and to do things differently. Well, what kind of examples of kind of wake up moments would people be opening up to? Most interesting ones is the triggers, you know, the triggers we receive. And of course, it's not only the triggers, how we react on them, because when we get triggered, it can, we can only be triggered if, if something is in us alive, but we don't want to see it. You can call it also our shadow sides, yeah? But most of, we are oblivious to our shadow sides, of course, unless we do really some shadow work, which of course I also did. But then we go immediately and the, the trigger, I will call it in a relationship, I would say, well, it's a ping pong game. I go into defense or I go into attack. And you, of course, do the same. So then we go into this ping pong back and forth, but we actually never reaching anything. So the aha moment, the wake up moment was, first of all, to recognize if I put out the pistol, if I put out the finger to you because you triggered me, there's three fingers coming back. So let me check first, what is it in me that triggers me? Because actually it's nothing to do with you. It's, it's things which you play out for me but there's things which are not looked at in me. There's a real kind of self-awareness thing that's almost required to be able to do that, to be able to spot those moments where in a relationship you, you're having that, as you describe it, the ping pong yeah. uh, sort of moment and that kind of interaction. It's almost that you have to be very aware of yourself and identify that it is something that you own and it's not the other person. Maybe for lots of people, that's quite a challenge, isn't it? I believe if we don't make it conscious to ourselves, if we don't make peace in ourselves, then we will never make peace on this earth. And I believe, you know, this is very linked to relationships and, and how we relate to each other. It all starts actually with self-love. So if I don't take care of myself, I'm always needy that somebody else appreciates me or values me or whatever. So if I'm not grounded in myself and relaxed and calm within myself, I will always put that pressure on somebody else. And of course, as soon as you don't love me, yeah, in my eyes, I'm triggered. So I need to make sure that whatever comes towards me, I can deal with it. I can be conscious, okay, what is it there? What triggers me? How do I deal with it? If I'm in that moment, of course, this can happen to me as well. If in that moment, I don't know what it is, I can still say, let's stop. I just need, I need space. I need, I need space. I need to look at this. Let's have a pause. It doesn't bring anything to talk about this right now because you're triggered, I'm triggered. Let's just leave it. Let's come back. And I need to go back and then see, is it mine? Can I, how can I own this? Or if I have the finger out, what projections put out to the other? And yes, this is the, the work of definitely self-love. And the self-love is for me the base of any relationship in any way. It doesn't have to be a private or personal or romantic relationship. It is the base for any relationship. Explore a little bit more this, this idea of, of self-love. Um, 
I, I guess if it's kind of based around ego, there's this almost sort of balancing act that we're playing is that, you know, yes, to a point self-love can be really healthy, but if it goes beyond the point of, of healthy and actually becomes almost like a self-obsession, that clearly isn't going to be quite healthy mm. for the relationship, but also for the individual. How, how would somebody kind of identify what is enough when it comes to self-love? People really have a confusion about self-love and what I call narcissism. And that's a huge difference. And self-love was, I would say it was somewhere down the road. I don't know if the religion really took it out or so. But self-love is a healthy thing we need to have. Otherwise, we're always needy of love. I cannot love anybody if I don't love myself or nobody can love me if I don't love myself. I will try to explain it a little bit further so it's more understood because it's my job to love me. It's not yours. Love is always a gift. It's never demand. But from very small onwards, we get actually indoctrinated how to behave to be loved or get appraisal or be valued. So we start behaving to this kind of pattern because we know very soon, okay, mom or dad, they either say a oh, good girl, good boy, or they say, no, yeah, you know what I mean? So we very soon, we know, oh my God, if I do this, so we started to contract ourselves, also in our expression of emotions because we were not accepted like this. So we learn this pattern and then we become adults. Unfortunately, we meet other adults. We keep trying this pattern and the other adults have different patterns. So it doesn't work the same way as it does with our parents, but we keep pushing. And if you look around in the world, we have this demand of love everywhere. Just, just look at our society. People being obsessed of being valued, seen, you know, and there's a lot of ways how we try to get attention back. We nonstop interrupt people, we give advice, we post nonstop. It's like a way of how do we get attention? But the first way to really get attention and self-love is to ourselves. And that's of course a path to build up. But I cannot ask anybody or demand to love me. And that is a very different concept from being narcissism who is only on me, 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 me. The way you sort of describe this um, there is, is certainly when it comes to something like social media and when people are almost sort of clamoring for the attention, they're desperate for additional followers, they're almost looking for that gratification coming from the outside world. Whereas I think what you're talking about when you talk about this kind of inner peace um, and this kind of self-love is that it's not something that comes to you actually the whole experience and the whole perception of it is something that comes from within you yeah. so that love doesn't actually arrive at your door from somebody else and this this kind of gratitude and this gratification doesn't come from the outside world it comes from actually within inside you and the idea i think from if i um, sort of interpret you right here is that it's it's already in there it's your task and your journey to be able to kind of tap into it and let it come out is it, have I got that right? Is that the right totally. way around? Yeah. I mean, you can use a very simple exercise with it or, or example. When somebody's nonstop needy, I try to do this now with you. Imagine you're in a relationship and I would be absolutely needy of your love. And I would just go and go because one day that was one of those wake up moments you asked me for. I realized that what I was doing in my life was actually this. <laughs> love me, love me, love me, love me, love me. Yeah. So imagine you have somebody as a partner and sitting in front of you doing this, 
you love me, love me, love me, love me, love me, love me. What would happen even unconsciously to you if you have somebody in front of you doing this nonstop? Love me, love me, just love me, love me, love me, love me, love me. What would happen to you energetically? You can feel it already in your body. Well, the barriers start to come up. I start to distance. I, exactly. it, there's a resistance and a, yes. So the energy kind yes. of goes in the opposite yes. direction. Exactly. And that's really cute. That's, that's a perfect example because that's what happens most of the time in couples when they meet and unconsciously they don't even know what's happening to them. That one is pulling back but they don't even know why what's happening. And the one who is needy, they go even more forward to grab you. And of course it comes to probably a broken relationship. But you can also see when both are needy, what happens then? Because you can also see that in relationships. The codependency when they don't, you know, they fight nonstop, but they're nonstop together. They're maybe 20 years already together, but there's nonstop fighting. And you say, why on earth are these together? because it creates codependency that they're feeding from each other in their needs. Otherwise it would break away. So this will just repeat over and over and over again, unless you stop that game <laughs> and you start watching saying, okay, where on earth am I so needy in love? And how can I fill that in myself? Because it's not up to you, Neil, if I would be your partner to fill it in me. I need to do this for me. It's my responsibility. And then this groundedness and the peace comes from within. That, I'm, I'm guessing, really comes from kind of openness in communication. Because if the way you sort of described that um, example was very much almost like a one-way flow of communication where the needy or the victim um, in the relationship is kind of, you know, hankering for the attention, hankering for the love. And it's, it's, it's a monologue. It's not a, a conversation. It's not a dialogue. It's not going in both directions. So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing the, the, the natural kind of progression of that is that you can only really be successful in a relationship that is going to be sustainable and that would work by having a dialogue. And it really is an open, authentic communication in both directions. Yes. And even if that is existing, and of course, it's always important that we speak there in a nonviolent communication way. So it means I'm not pointing the finger, you do this to me, because nobody does anything to you, you in case I'm allowing it, right? But if I need to say something and express it to you, what really triggers me, or maybe I'm not happy with, because of course, we have different values, we have different perspectives, we have different ways of looking at life, even so we are in love then it's better to express it from the eye. You know, it makes me feel when this and this happens, it makes me feel and I would wish the next time you would. So it's very important that we're really realistic. It's not you always or you never, but be very specific what exactly it is. And I can see that and what it does to you because I can also see that in the coaches, most of the coaches I have, they, don't, can, they can't express their emotions. They don't even know what they feel anymore. It's all here and they're in kind of pseudo feelings which are not existing they're made up by mind so i help my coaches come back to really feel what they're feeling because our bodies are messenger it says what we really feeling and then that makes the authentic communication because of course if i make up it here it's not real and the other one can feel it energetically but if i speak from the truth this is what it makes me feel and i wish the next time you would 
uh, do this and this and this, then it would make me feel better. But of course, that's not a demand. It's never demand. It's only a wish. And it has to be communicated like that because otherwise it's again, I'm a demand and it's a pressure. Yeah. And I also would say, there's always moments where we don't have an answer. And there's moments you could go on and on and on on a topic between two people. But my biggest question there is always, okay, do I need to stay? Am I right? Or do I let go? Do I want to be happy or do I need to be right? And my question here, when I feel like, oh, I want to hold on to this, then I ask myself, what would love do now? And love would not hold on to ego. That's quite profound, isn't it? Because I think what we're describing here, it's almost like it's, it's a dance, if you, if, if you like. I think there's, there's something going on here that's, I think I, I really, um, really enjoyed the bit where you were sort of saying about the thinking and feeling. And there's almost like there's this really interesting kind of interplay between thoughts and ego and kind of logic, but also at the same time, the feeling and the emotion side. So kind of your head's part of the, the, the conversation, but also your heart. And so it's almost like there's four things happening at once. So there's your head and your thoughts, there's your heart and your emotions. Mm-hmm. And then also in the person who you're in this conversational relationship with, it's their head and their heart. So there's a lot of things at interplay here. Yeah. You know, to get this right, I mean, it, it's going to be about the trust in the other person that they're going to enter this conversation authentically as well. But but how do you kind of create the time and the space to be able to, you know, have this kind of a conversation? Because it's not something you can just either do, you know, as you're preparing dinner in the evening or just, you know, as you're racing through a busy life. So it's, it's going to be something I think you're going to have to really kind of invest as a couple or as a partnership and um, time and energy in this, aren't you? It's an interesting question. Thank you for asking it, because that leads me to my title of my workshop, Making Time and Space for Love. And do we actually take consciously time for love? because we don't. Nowadays with the coronavirus, I say, hallelujah, maybe come back to what's really essential and what's important. But we had such a stressful life all the time. We are nonstop busy, yeah? We could be 24 seven, 365 days. Come on, we have so many excuses to be busy. But we all want love. We all want love. I haven't met any person who told me, no, I don't want love. Look at the business about love. Yeah, music books, videos, movies. I don't know, did I mention that already? So there's a huge business. Everybody wants love. There's huge demand for love. But nobody is actually teaching us how to fill that lack in ourselves. And yes, when you're in relationship, this making time and space for love is first starting with self. That maybe these five minutes you say, I'm going into my room and need to close my eyes or do meditation for 20 minutes. Or, or it may be, no, I need to go for the bike. I know you love biking. Or I go for surfing. Or I go for a walk in the nature. Whatever it is to bring you down to self. And then, of course, the connection with the other. But we need to fill this one here first because if I'm agitated from a long day of work and my beloved comes into the room, and I'm frustrated and nervous because I didn't have five minutes for myself to breathe. The first thing I do is, right? So we need to take the responsibility back here 
it's not the other that I expected him to do the dinner and to make everything beautiful and then expect me with a romantic smile. No. I have my responsibility first to calm myself and ground because maybe the other one is agitated in the same way. So let's take space and then find again. So this investment, it can be as short and as long as you wish, but yes, it's a daily responsibility to check in with self. It's like it's a process because I think there's a danger with this kind of a topic that because I, I suppose for lots of people, they would see it as quite subjective. You know, it's something that you can't really see and you can't pick up and you can't touch, but you know, it's there. It's quite subjective. Um, I think, but there is a real practicality to it. There are steps that you can take. There's time you can invest as you've described it. I mean, to, to me, a lot of this comes back to, you know, lots of these kind of ancient wisdoms, the, what you might term sort of universal truths, you know, and it is all about, you know, some, some really kind of fundamental building blocks, isn't it? Describe a little bit about um, when you talk about workshop, kind of what, what kind of things would be involved in the kind of the process of doing this? universal truths or the, the biggest step is what we all have lost and we have or we don't get taught is to listening to ourselves to our heart yes so much we get so much pressure from small on to live here to behave correctly to do this correctly to do you know it's full of in, indoctrinations of what you're supposed to do as human beings depending on where you live because every culture is different but the real truth only resides in your heart and your heart is the only one who can really say what's really necessary right now. And to feel the heart, we need to be able to feel our body, but we have lost to be in connection with our bodies. We have been cut off here. We live here most of the time. That's why people can't feel them anymore. So what I bring in my workshop as well as my coaching to, to bring people back to their heart space. Because when you live in relationship, the only way to live in relationship is being in the heart space. And to bring yourself back over and over again. And I'm not meaning only romantic relationships. Forever, if it's a friend, if it's a business partner, we have to live and communicate and work from being in the heart space. As a business leader, you know that too. We had many conversations about that. How can we do better business? and helping people around us and it comes from the heart space which is a lovely very very clear point to start isn't it this is the thing because if I, I guess somebody listening or watching this might feel okay I understand a little bit about the process you know Sabina's described you know that it's a two-way flow of energy and information and everyone needs to be authentic but it still feels really really big whereas I think what you're saying is there that if you start by focusing on listening to your heart listening to what is you know fundamentally a part of your kind of inner truth as it were then that gives you the opportunity to begin from the right point because i think for a lot of people it could be quite difficult to understand well, where do i begin where is that first step so i think it's almost comes sort of full circle to what we were talking about earlier that it is about listening and becoming very self-aware about your own needs and desires and wants even before you start to communicate to the other person so you might be in a very very close relationship but you still almost need to go through that, that process alone and by yourself and for yourself first otherwise you don't necessarily come to the conversation fully armed fully prepared totally correct and i would even say to make it easier because sometimes coaches ask me well how do i feel my heart 
So I say, well, feel your body. And even that it's difficult for them because they don't know their needs. They have a lot of wishes, but they don't, they don't know how their needs, what their needs are and how they feel when they're filled and when, when they're not fulfilled. And we need to understand how that difference feels because the body is the messenger. So if my body makes, <gasps> I need to understand, okay, where does this <clears throat> come from? What is it, what I'm feeling right now? And not going into my head, it's like, oh, I feel, I feel left alone by you. That's where we go. And that's not a feeling. That's just a pseudo feeling. It's made up here. It comes back to that self-awareness again, doesn't it, really? It's really listening and really awakening to kind of what's going on in that process because it's very easy to, to almost become swamped by what your head's saying because your head's yeah. kind of can chatter very much faster than probably the rest of the, um, the energy that's kind of flowing through you. So it's almost that takes over and then almost misleads and, and sort of misguides you. You talked to them earlier on about the, the shadow side of things and I think maybe that's almost then the shadow of yourself kind of coming through with this this noise and the chatters which obviously can be quite um, unhelpful it's interesting when you um sort of go through sort of a process like this i'm guessing what happens possibly in a time like this where you know a lot of people a lot of couples are in um, social isolation um, and i guess many couples might be redefining their relationship and ultimately coming through this process it might be that actually staying together isn't the best answer and what they actually identify is that you know things have moved on and I know you talk a lot about the concept of conscious uncoupling um, tell us a little more about sort of what that means and how you know maybe it could be an opportunity for both partners and maybe not something to fear that that really beautiful because when you really get to know and focus on what is essential to me what are my values what is what my needs are are they fulfilled and they're not fulfilled and i see wow i have been maybe hanging on in this relationship just because of routine because i was too busy or i never actually noticed that this person was evolving in a different way than me because we are hardly see each other and now corona brings us together and we realize oh my god there's what happened here who is that person in my room you know this kind of thing and instead of just saying oh let's break to really kind of becoming conscious okay what do we actually have learned here what have you brought to my table? What have I brought to your table? What do we take from this as a learning? So if we don't have this conscious awareness to each other and almost doing right now, you can't probably separate really. I don't know if it's possible or not and find a new place to move out. But also having a ceremony to really value the time together because there was a purpose for growth in that. We always attract the right mirrors, always, wherever we are. We attract the perfect partner for that learning curve. And then, yes, we can get through it and say, oh, gosh, we have learned. Do we really want to stay together? No, let's move, you know, let's, it's, it's good, it's fine. But not in anger to close the relationship, not in rage, you have done this to me, you know, this accusing mode, and therefore I leave you. But rather in the mode of what I just said before, what have you learned and where can we take it from here? And it's a beautiful process, you know, then you won't repeat it. 
otherwise you're just gonna repeat it somewhere else again from a, a personal relationships perspective could also i guess be almost equally applied to um a, a business sense so okay. maybe you know working you know within a team at work and i know obviously you've worked internationally across a whole variety of different sectors and business sort of shapes and sizes how, how would a team leader or possibly facilitate to bring this kind of love and sort of heart-centered approach into their own teamwork from from a business perspective I worked in embercom with meg mccartney around the harding leadership and i believe that everybody is able at first to have the trust to open up because most of the time unfortunately still in our society most people are not having the trust to speak openly about what's really important to them to, so to create the platform of an open, heartful conversation is really necessary first. So what is the most essential thing to you? And once people can feel, wow, they actually listen to that, they heard by naming what's really essential to them. And if difficult times, it's very easy because we all care about the same, we care about our loved ones, you know, and, so that brings people together and then say, okay, where do I want to evolve? What is what my aspirations are? Is, can they be fulfilled here in this company? Yes and no. Can we create something new maybe? Uh, which possibilities do we have? And if not, how can I maybe help you to move on and connect you with people I know in the network? So we would be doing so much more favor to our people we work with and collaborate with than just being into the plane okay then you go out um, or I leave this job because I don't feel hurt. Just super interesting because I think what it's identifying is as yet again the fact that this all comes from within so if you're in the right relationship personally if you're in the right career if you're in the right organization and um, for work it's still the same dynamic that's happening, isn't it? It's people relationships, it's being heartfelt, it's coming from almost like a level of a higher purpose and a higher reason for being together. I, I really liked and really resonated for me the, um, the comment that you made about you're never in the wrong relationship because there's always um, some learning to be had. It's always an opportunity for, for gaining wisdom. It's always an opportunity to move more steps on your journey. They might not be necessarily comfortable steps, but they're there for the right reason at the right time. And I think, so for me, what I'm picking up from you is, is that it's very much about kind of trusting that you're in the right place at the right time. So there's this more kind of holistic thing going on. And yes, it's about people relationships, but it's also about the relationship you have with yourself and kind of just trusting that at all times you're in the right place, you're in the right space, what is it that you should be learning? And even if it's not something that's immediately obvious, there is something there to be learned at every point, in every step, in every stage of your life. And I'd like to add something there because you asked me about one of my aha moments, my wake up moments. One important step to know that you're always at the right place at the right time to, to, to embed this trust in you is that you really, really 100% learn to walk your talk. Because if you don't walk it yourself and you're the one who knows first, oh, well, this was a little light white lie, you know? You can always have these excuses, well, just this time I'm stepping over this boundary. Or just this time I'm, oh, 
I'm just lying a little bit. No, I didn't really do it. It was just like an excuse. You know, if we don't walk our talk, we can never really start building this trust in ourselves, nor, of course, energetically with somebody else, because energetically they feel that. And that happens when I coach parents with their children as well, because they want to set boundaries, but then they're the first ones who step over them. Wonderful way to bring that full circle back to where we started. Um, if somebody is now, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of people watching and listening to this now, very intrigued and, and looking to find out more and, and probably self-questioning and beginning that sort of desire to look at their own kind of scenario and situation and to kind of awaken, I guess, you know, some of those opportunities inside. How, how do they contact you? Where would they find sort of more information and support from you? My website, www.sabinarademaker.com. And of course, I have also my Facebook page and a YouTube channel, but I think the easiest bet is to my website. I've really enjoyed this, uh, this conversation and I'm sure a lot of people listening have gleaned uh, a lot of information and ideas. And uh, yes, I think you may well have changed uh, the paths and the journey for quite a few people as they've been listening to you. So thank you very much again, Sabina, for your time today. Thank you for that interview. And I just hope, and you know, that is my biggest wish, that we make peace on earth when we start making peace among our human relationships. And that's what I really truly believe. Thank you.